Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? It's going good. You know what today is, Amy? What is today? Today, or this episode, is the last episode in, I guess you could call it, season five of SBC This Week. Is this like an anniversary or something? Next week, the 29th, will be the start of our sixth year doing this. We are, wow. we came on the air May 29th, 2015. Five years of my yeah. life. Wow. So next, That's yeah, pretty next crazy. week we'll start our sixth year. Isn't that crazy? That's, yeah, that is really crazy. I would, I don't even want to go back and listen to those first ones because I don't know about you. I had no idea what I was doing. And that's changed how in five years? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can't I believe you just that said that. Up. Oh, man. But a lot has changed in those five years. I will say that. Yes. I will say that. A yes. lot has changed. You and I are both at different institutions now. Uh, you And we actually, oddly enough, work for our first guest. So we knew what we were doing five years ago, I guess. That's kind of wild. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it has been... A good five years and an educational five years because some of the things that we would talk about before we did this, they were just kind of on the fly. Like, hey, did you see this uh, that that happened? But now, because of this, we are we have always been tracking the news every single week and trying to put things together. I didn't, for example, like state conventions, I didn't track them in the way that we do for this. And I have just learned so much. So it's been a great experience. There's a lot of things we track now that we didn't track like that. The trustee meeting, state conventions, the lead up to the annual meeting, uh, just so many different things. And we found things in SBC history that we never knew existed. And That's have right. been blown away by the incredibleness of some of those things and the absurdity of others. Yes. And it's just been amazing. Yeah. I When I think about some of the things that I've stumbled upon for this week in SBC history in the last five years, I feel like I'm the better for them. I, I'm the better for knowing some of those stories like the Shetland pony yes. that was given to the church. The singles nightclub at, in Dallas. Remember that? Yes. Yes. Or the, the monkeys that came to, to yes. Dayton, Tennessee during the, the trial the that the people had and were mm-hmm. walking around town with them. The um, guy who was scamming so, people and, as the uh, in Oklahoma and Texas. Remember that one? Yes. Via Western then, Union. Was it Western uh, Union? Uh, yes. He was scamming them or something? Yes. And probably my favorite one was the, um, oh, why can't I remember that? The character, the guy. And somebody found the super costume dude. for us, too. Was yeah. Super- no, no, no. Not super dude. No, the, the, that was a, well, I don't know that we've even gotten into we that. We haven't on the done podcast, that on the podcast. That's but, been offline. Yeah, that let's save that. We'll save that for another. That's been a, a, a discussion as we've been researching CP Costume. stuff, but for, for our jobs. But it was the the guy with the hat oh, and he would go around. Oh, he was Yes. Yeah. Yes. And oh, okay. Yeah, that that was kind of wild. And I can't believe your favorite part wasn't people sleeping in train cars in Memphis for the annual meeting in the fifties. Oh, well, that's something I want to do. For you know, yeah. Well, I, I would I would sleep in a train car. I mean, I have I stayed at the Chattanooga Choo Choo and slept in a train car. But anyway, all right. So moving on to the news of this week, we could do yes. this all day. So happy five years, Amy. 
And and speaking yes. of, you know, we, we mentioned we had a guest on that first episode. We have a wonderful guest today. Carol Pipes joins us. One of my favorite yes, people. Absolutely. And we had a delightful conversation. That's coming up later in the show about world changers with her. She's a, a world changers alum, former students, summer staffer, just all these these great things. She's got some great history about world changers to share with us. That's coming up later in the show. Be sure to stick around for that. But we start, Amy, something we teased on last week's show. The executive committee is going to host SBC Advance June the 2nd. Yes, SBC Advance. So that's a video update that is going to be really put put out there from all the SBC entities as a way of letting Southern Baptists know what is happening because we don't get to to be together to hear that. So I think that's it's going to be really cool. And I've seen some of the um, just some of the things coming in and really just great quality videos that that are coming. Everyone's taking this really seriously. And I think we got some good yes, stuff. Yes, absolutely. I've seen a few of them already, like you mentioned, and they're, they're all coming into me and we're sorting them out. And oh, wow, I, I'm so encouraged. I, I think Southern Baptists are going to leave uh, this event on, on June the 2nd with a really uh, good sense of not only knowledge about what's going on, but pride about what the uh, ministries of the Southern Baptist Convention are doing. So I'm really looking forward to that. I hope you'll join us, sbcadvance.com. Uh, for those of you who've been on the podcast the past few years, that URL may sound familiar. It's something we've used uh, for the uh, SBC annual meeting and stuff in the past. And But the SBC Advance, not a replacement for the annual meeting, but it's about telling the story about what God's doing through the Southern Baptist Convention, our churches, and our people. So that's right. excited to be a part yes. of that. And that's going to be on June 2nd, Tuesday, June 2nd in just a couple of weeks, so be sure to join us for that. All right, some big news in your state, Amy. Milton Hollifield announced that he is retiring next year in 2021. Yeah, this was a big announcement around here. And, of course, it's interesting as we've given these retirement announcements over the time on the podcast because, they, you know, they pop up. We've got 41 state conventions, and so they're they're going to come up. The stories are interesting, but they're very separate for me. This one, I am a North Carolina Baptist, and all of a sudden you realize this, the, these leadership transitions are very important to people in the state. And so uh, Milton Hollyfield has been really a very, very respected leader here, uh, just with with his sort of rich experience, but then also his real encouragement for young leaders, for uh, sort of the next generation plugging in and just a really kind man. Like I, I just, I enjoy being around him when Absolutely. I've been at the state convention building or at the, the annual meeting here. And so he, he's going to leave with a lot of appreciation for his work but it's certainly now, you know, North Carolina Baptists are are thinking, okay, what do things look like next? Um, but there's a great Baptist press story that came from the biblical recorder staff and the communications team at the state convention. And so we'll put that in the show notes because it just tells a lot about what Milton Hollyfield did in his tenure. Uh, is it time for me to start the Amy for North Carolina exec party yet or not? I would say that is an exercise in futility. All right. So maybe next time. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations again to Milton. He's been there 14 years as the exec in North Carolina, and we wish him all the best in his retirement. Uh, and we, we hope to see him soon and be able to, to wish him all the best 
as he steps down from that leadership role there in your state. So congratulations again to Milton on a great career in North Carolina. Over to IMB, Amy, a couple stories from them. They approved 59 missionaries, addressed their budget concerns last week in a virtual trustee meeting that was held last week. They also elected Christy Roberson as vice president of human resources and Price Jet as the vice president of finance, logistics, and technology. Yeah, so this story, obviously, some really, some really good things coming and a lot of, you know, just technical stuff, new employees, things like that. But really, the 59 missionaries, that's the big yeah, story. Because we've there. been watching these sending ceremonies, and, and it's been 25, 30, 35 missionaries. So 59, that's a, that's a big one. And then on June 9th, they're going to hold a virtual sending celebration. These missionaries would have been the ones that would have been sent out at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. Uh, there's going to be actually 61 missionaries being sent out because there was two held over from the last time that had not been sent yet. So 61 people being right. sent on June 9th. You can find out more information about that and watch that online over at the IMB Facebook page or their Vimeo account. So uh, there's a story in Baptist Press about that. But like you said, this is exciting. I mean, this is what we come together for, what we partner for, what we are all about. And to be sending out 61 missionaries in just a couple of weeks and 59 that were just approved here, uh, amazing. Yeah. Really incredible. So I was excited to hear that. Yes. All right. So I know we talked last week about the Lifeway summer camps being canceled. A lot of those held at Ridgecrest had gotten canceled. Now events at Ridgecrest are starting to be canceled as well. That means the Black Church Leadership and Family Conference will be held online instead of in person over at Ridgecrest. So I know that's a, a big week every year for them over at Ridgecrest and oh, sad yeah. to see that. I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast, it seems, you know, obviously the last five years. But you know, to, right. for this to be have to move online, I know there's a lot of disappointment there. But I mean, we're seeing this across the board in the summer, so um, kind of sad there. Also, cancellations at Falls Creek, which I know is huge for Oklahoma Baptists. Falls Creek, I mean, the the summer camps there, thousands and thousands of teens come to that. Yeah, thousands and thousands of teens' lives are changed at Falls Creek every summer, and they have been forced to cancel this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So there's this Oklahoma Baptist pipeline that flows right through Falls Creek to OBU, to the IMB, and to all of our seminaries as well. And for that to be kind of cut off for one year, that's a big shock, I think, to a lot of Oklahoma Baptists who never thought that would happen. And, you know, it just yeah. uh, just goes to show how widespread the, the cancellations are coming from COVID-19. I love, I love Falls Creek. It's, it's so great. And so I know for a lot of folks, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough yeah. one to miss. Yeah. I've still not been, not that I'm bitter about that. You gotta I, go. I haven't been. It's pretty incredible. I know, I know. I need to get there. I, I'm trying. I, I just haven't been able to figure out how to get there for anything yeah. yet. So uh, it, it'll happen one day, I'm sure. Some other news related to state conventions and camp and conference centers. California Southern Baptist Convention Executive Board voted to permanently shutter and sell Genesis Park Christian Camp earlier this month. We, we talked about this a little bit. I don't know if you remember this or not, Amy. Back in the fall, California changed their CP percentage because they were trying to get Genesis Park into a place where it was viable to keep. And just six months later, you know, they're turning around because of COVID-19, basically wiping out all the business at the camp and being forced to sell it. So just a, a kind of a heartbreaking thing for California Southern Baptists. And it's really tough. And, and this is really a conversation that's happening, obviously, a lot of places with the conversation about Ridgecrest and things closing. 
is is very difficult, especially for those who have such great memories yeah. there. Yeah. Finances just weren't working on this one, Amy, because they had a $70,000 a month deficit on the camp and conference center because of COVID-19 and cancellations and everything. They've got a $1.4 million loan that they've just been paying the interest only on. So just financially, it was not able to keep going. It's a sad day for California Baptists. I know a lot of them. I talked to a couple of those this week and they're just, they're bummed, but they, they just understand that that's just the financial reality where they are. So uh, they're hoping to yeah. find a buyer for Genesis Park and to keep it ministry focused in the future. Obviously, uh, you know we see that a lot. We saw that with Glorietta, seen it with Ridgecrest, and now with Genesis Park. So, um, just uh, be praying for our California Southern Baptist friends as they move to sell Genesis Park in the future. Some cool news from Union University, Amy. Tell us about Dub Oliver and the commitment he had to 595 graduates. We've heard a lot of stories about colleges and seminaries doing different things for their graduates, but this is this took some work. So Dub Oliver, president of Union University, sent a recorded video, most of them were about 1 to 2 minutes for every single graduate at Union University, and that's 595. All right. Let's do the let's do the math here, Amy. I'll, I'll do it for you. How about that? Go right ahead. Two minutes each, roughly six hundred graduates. That's twelve hundred minutes of recording time. That's twenty hours. Twenty hours of recording time. Not just prep. You know what's the kid's name? What's their major? You know all right. of this. Twenty hours of recording time alone that right. he did for these five hundred and ninety-five graduates. Yes. That's a lot, Amy. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So what he did in all of them is he signed their diploma and then gave them a word of congratulations and a message of encouragement. So since they didn't get to be there and physically have their diploma handed to them, they each got a personal message and saw their diploma being signed. That's that's pretty cool and memorable. Yeah. It got sent to them by text and email, so they have that, and they have kind of that memory to keep. So that is extra mile right absolutely. there. Absolutely. There's a great little line in here. He said that Oliver estimated that he spent about 50 hours on the videos. So, I mean, 20 hours plus production time, That 50 hours over a couple of weeks to do that. And yeah. there's, there's a great story in here from Brooke Watson. She just graduated with a degree in sports management, which is by far the best degree to have, Amy, because that's what I have. So... She said nice. that when I heard Dr. Dub say my name, I was in complete shock because I thought it was going to be a generic video that went out to every student saying the same thing. I ran outside to find my parents so they could watch it with me. And they both teared up hearing Dr. Dub talk about how valuable I was to Union. I will be forever thankful to Dr. Dub for taking time to recognize me for my time at Union. Amazing story. So Tim Ellsworth. Yeah. I don't know whose idea this was, if it was Dub or it was Tim's or someone else's. But Tim wrote the story, and they got this out, and what an incredible, incredible thing by Dr. Oliver. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. So we've seen a lot of fun stuff over the last few weeks, and I just love the creativity and the deliberateness that everyone has done to recognize what a milestone this is in the life of your graduates and to say, let's figure out a way to make it special. So really neat story. Yes. And congratulations to all those graduates and, and all the graduates at our seminaries and, 
and the, the high schools, you know, it's, it's just such a different thing this year. And we've been seeing that online a lot with social media, but it's neat to see the schools going that extra mile, like you said, to, to really make that something special. So finally, Amy, we lost a couple of people close to the Southern Baptist Convention this week. Ravi Zacharias, the renowned Christian apologist, evangelist, and author based out of Atlanta, died on Tuesday after a brief battle with sarcoma. He was 74. Yes, and Ravi Zacharias was not, uh, he was not Southern Baptist, but he spoke at a lot of Southern Baptist events through the years. And so many people, you know, had, had connections mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Yes. All right. And then SBC race relations trailblazer, Willie McPherson died this week at age 80. So uh, McPherson pastored predominantly white church in the seventies in California. But after that was the first black divisional leader within the California Southern Baptist convention and then went on to the Home Mission Board and became one of the first African-Americans to lead a national Southern Baptist denominational division. He directed the newly named Black Church Extension Division of what is now NAM, as we know it, uh, from 92 to 97, while it was still the Home Mission Board. So uh, he was awarded the NAM Lifetime Achievement Award for church planting, as well as the Black Southern Baptist Denominational Servants Network Hall of Servanthood Award in 2009. So uh, many people I know probably have met Willie over the years, and uh, our thoughts and prayers are out to his family and all of his friends, uh, very well known and respected within the Southern Baptist Convention. All right, well, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to our interview with Carol Pipes from Lifeway about her experience and her lifetime of service with World Changers. Today on SBC This Week, we have got a treat for you. Carol Pipes, joins us. Carol is uh, one of our favorite people. She is the Director of Communications over at Lifeway Christian Resources. Carol, thank you for being with us. Thanks, Jonathan. I am glad to be here with you guys today. Love the show. Listen often. Friend of the pod. Yes, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Yay. Yes. Yes, that's fantastic. And a, a big fan of both of you guys. Oh, well, well we appreciate that. We, and we are a fan of yours. We could interview you about Oh, a thousand different things. A thousand so, things. Yes. So we may have to have you back on another day to talk about other stuff. That'd be great. But, yes. yes. She could be our royal family correspondent if we ever needed that. Oh, oh yes. Absolutely. There's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> all uh, kinds of things. But this is to talk about world changers, which is a thing that we've we've talked about for the last few weeks, obviously with the ending of world changers, but then also beginning to reflect on the impact that it made. And you have had a significant amount of experience in it, not just working at Lifeway, but in World Changers itself. So tell us a little bit about yes. your background. Yes. Yeah, you, you've been part of World Changers at three different entities, right? Yes, I have. So my journey with World Changers began in um, 1993. I was on one of the summer staff teams. Every summer, World Changers hires college students to... Um, travel to different projects around the country and host the project, do logistics, um, work with the local coordinators, the construction coordinator. And so I was on one of those summer staff teams um, when I was in college and had a great experience that summer, really started cutting my teeth in Baptist journalism uh, during that summer. I was responsible for writing a story about each of the projects that our team traveled to. So one of my very first stories ever published was in um, Baptist Press. And uh, 
some of the different state Baptist papers picked up stories that I wrote about projects in their states. So yeah, my time with World Changers goes back to 1993. Mm -hmm. And I wound up going to work at the Baptist Brotherhood Commission right after I graduated from college and worked for World Changers part of that time. Um, And then also worked at the North American Mission Board when the Brotherhood Commission um, became part of the new North American Mission Board. I was a part of that um, team that transitioned there. So, yeah, and now working at Lifeway. So three SBC entities I have um, been a part of. And a part of World Changers. And a part of World Changers. Yeah, and that that first summer, I mean, if you were doing – stories mm-hmm. that, that you probably weren't attached to a certain site or anything. You probably hit them all, huh? So yes. uh, where else you travel that year? So I went to Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I went to Brockton, Montana and Canton, North Carolina, Campbell County, Tennessee and Eastern Shore, Virginia. So my projects that year ranged from Montana all the way to Eastern Shore, Virginia. Oh man, Eastern Shore is great. It so is. That's super fun that you were loved there. being on the Eastern Shore, Virginia. Yeah, um, and each project was amazing and unique um, in and of itself. In um, Montana, we were working, you know, in a very rural part of the. Um, state. It was beautiful. Had never traveled that far west before. Um, Is there a non-rural part of Montana? I'm not sure. I've only been to the eastern part of Montana. Is Helena urban? Does it kind of have a city? I'm sure there are urban parts. Yes. But rural Montana seems redundant. I don't know. I guess so. One of my memories of that project is going and I would travel and go to visit the different work sites at a project location and get to talk to students about what they were doing. Um, But I remember climbing up on a roof and we were working in a neighborhood. We were working on roofs on this, in this entire neighborhood in this community. And you could look out because Montana, you know, is so flat. We could see almost all the crews that were working in that area, uh, which was a really neat experience. That's very cool. Well, tell us about, because we, we were talking offline earlier and hearing about some of the milestones that World Changers really hit, not just in World Changers, but actually in sort of the, the history of Southern Baptist missions and, and things. Uh, talk to us about some of the things that World Changers did. Sure. So World Changers, as you know, started in 1990 uh, with a group of about 137 youth and adults who had traveled to um, Riceville, Tennessee, to do construction projects. And World Changers was really the first Southern Baptist prepackaged mission project or mission trip that churches could take. So that was really a milestone, I think, um, not just in Southern Baptist life, but among other organizations, there weren't a whole lot of prepackaged missions experiences. So that really helped um, student pastors, youth ministers, where they normally would have had to do all of the work to prepare for a mission trip to take their students on. World Changers did all the legwork. They did all the logistics. You know, they cut out a lot of that pre-work that a student minister would have to do 
And then during the week, once the student minister got there, he, he or she wouldn't have to spend all the time worrying about logistics and things like that. They could spend their time really pouring into the lives of their students um, and really getting to spend time with them, actually being on the work sites with their students, working right along their students and not having to worry about logistics during the week. So that was a pretty significant milestone um, for Southern Baptist Missions, that in and of itself. Um, It was also one of the first missions experience that used students on construction sites. That was a pretty unique aspect of World Changers. Um, And it was co-ed. You had guys and girls um, going on these mission projects together. Um, I remember, you know, in those early years, it was it was actually still a big deal for a girl to be using power tools on a work site. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, that was a pretty significant thing um, in the life, I think, of, of missions. Yeah. Projects. Now, I want to just confess right now that I that still that no one should ever give me personally a power tool. I need to confess that right now. But I know plenty of women and girls that uh, do a great job with them. I think Keith just knows that it, that this isn't where we don't need to do that. Um, so I remember but, the very first time I got to use a, a nail gun, you know, an oh, air powered yeah. nail gun. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Such power you feel when you've got yeah. that in your hand. You have it in your hand. Um, and you're, you know, nailing shingles on a roof. It's pretty exciting. That's, that's pretty cool. Um and like you said, because in before that, missions education had been sort of focused. It had been separated out. And Correct. certainly there are places for that. Um, oh, yeah. Different learning environments, things. But this definitely is unique that they were coming together. And so obviously just something really new. Did that really play into sort of the stories that you were telling? Or is that just something that reflecting on now you you realize? Did they realize what a milestone it was at the time? I think definitely the, the leadership who um, dream, dreamt up world changers and really thought about world changers, I think they did definitely have that in mind that they were doing something significant um, with world changers. Yes, definitely. Now, did you meet Keith through that Carol? I did. I should probably mention to your listeners that Keith is my husband. Yeah, you're both married to Keith. Right. I'm the only person here not married to a Keith. Right. Sorry. Right. Because that would really be weird. Sorry. Yes. Um, yes, Keith and I met doing World Changers, and we were actually kind of fixed up by um, some of the um, team at the World Changers National Office. And we have together, after we got married, we have gone and coordinated World Changers projects together. So, so world, yeah, so this is a big part of your life all the way Very around. big part of my life. Yes. Yeah. I started counting up before I got on this phone call and have done probably 15 World Changers projects in North America, in the U.S. and Canada, um, and then eight International World Changers project. Yeah, so a total I was say, of twenty three. This is 23. taking you across the world. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you've been 
Like I know, I think Italy. I know you've been、uh, South America. Was it Ecuador?、Uh, I've been to Ecuador. Oh, I forgot about Ecuador. Twenty-four. I've been to twenty-four <laughs> projects. <laughs> This is your life, Carol. I know. So you forgot about things I forgot that about I remembered.、Things. So yes, I think the really unique thing, or one of the unique things about World Changers, is just how it has helped students through the years really、um, open their eyes to their role in the Great Commission、um, and seeing the greater、um, the greater work within the Kingdom of God. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I have been on a World Changers project、um, and talking to students after they've been out on the work site、um, and they've been working. Oh, just you know, they're getting so tired and hot and sweaty because they're working out in the summer heat,、um, painting and scraping and. Building wheel wheelchair ramps and all kinds of things like that, and they they love it. They love pouring themselves out、um, and being able to help others. And then also that unique relationship that they're able to build with the homeowner、um, of the house that they're working on, and being able to share their testimony with that homeowner. I've seen so many students at the end of the day come back and say, "Miss Carol, you won't believe what happened. I got to share the gospel today, and if if I can do that here, I can do that back home. I can tell my friends about my relationship with God." And so there's always kind of that、um, that awakening or that light bulb moment. Uh, for those students, when they really begin to see, I have a place in、um, the work of God and expanding、um, the message of the gospel and getting the gospel out. It's it's just a really neat、um, thing to experience、um, when you're helping mobilize students and missions. Now, any favorite projects from over the years? Oh goodness! Highlights anything that stands out? Anything fun? So many, so many great memories. I mean, when you've done that many projects,、uh, there are a lot of great memories. Keith and I did a project in, or led a project in New Orleans shortly after Hurricane Katrina. I think we were there either one or two years after the hurricane,、um, and we were working in an area that had really. Just been completely wiped out from the hurricane and the floods,、um, and that was a pretty incredible experience of being able to see these kids working in an area that、um, that there was so much need.、Um, so that that definitely、um, stands out in my mind. Probably one of my clearest memories is from. One of the projects that first summer that I did World Changers when I was on summer staff, and we were in Canton, North Carolina, and we worked on a man's house.、Um, Mr. Ballantine was his name, and oh my goodness, we the before and after pictures of his house are just incredible.、Um, the students that were working on his home really did an incredible amount of work. 
um, just helping to stabilize that house. Um, I think they had to do new floors, new walls, new roof, almost had to build a whole new house in a week. And at the end of the week, talking to Mr. Ballantyne, and he was talking about those students and thanking them for the work that they, they had done. I remember him saying, you've not only restored my house, you've restored my dignity. Mm-hmm. And it was just so powerful to see how that one particular homeowner's life was changed because we were able to um, help fix up his house that needed a lot of work. So that's one of one of the clearest memories I have from World Changers. Wow, that's pretty incredible. So this is probably its time. I mean, we have a lot of change that is happening in the wake of this global pandemic. All of us are are dealing with some kind of change in our lives or in our work. But I guess this one kind of has a special poignancy for you as you just see this era come to an end. Can you just kind of finish out, reflect a little bit on how you're processing that and what it means to you? Yes, World Changers has definitely impacted um, my life. But I don't know that it necessarily, the, the work itself is not ending. The work will go on. Um, the mission will go on. I mean, s- hundreds and thousands of lives have been impacted by World Changers. And there are, you know, pastors serving in churches today. There are children's ministers serving in churches today. There are missionaries serving on the mission field today because of a missions experience that they had through World Changers. So World Changers impact is going to continue on for years and years and years. Um, And so while yes, this is the end of the organization itself, it's not the end of the ministry impact by any means. Amen. Yeah. That was really beautiful. Thanks. Well, it, it's a really beautiful organization. Um, and oh, so many wonderful people who have uh, been a part of World Changers, people that have poured into my life and have impacted me. Um even people maybe I only worked with for one week, they still had an impact on my life. And um, there are so many long-term friendships that I've made over the years and that anybody who's been a part of World Changers could tell you about the long-lasting um, friendships that they've gained through this organization. Well, Carol, we want to thank you for taking the time and spending this with us and, and telling us about World Changers and, and just your experience as well. But we also want to thank everybody that has been a part of World Changers for the past 30 years. I mean, the names, you mentioned the hundreds and hundreds of names and thousands of teenagers that have come yeah. over the past 30 years that have gone on these trips have made incredible impacts, not only in communities, but for the kingdom. So we want to thank you. Thank all of those who have gone uh, before you and and since you know 1990, uh, who have made an impact through World Changers and Carol. Just again, just just thank you. Oh well, don't thank me. I mean, I've just was one of those volunteers along the way. Um, so many other people have um, made World Changers what it was, um, and I am so blessed to have been able to work with tons of 
project coordinators, construction coordinators, crew chiefs, people in local governments, mayors and cities across the United States who have worked with this organization. There's just been a lot of people who have been impacted um, by World Changers, and I'm just thankful that I got to be a part of it. All right. So we are grateful to Carol for that conversation. I loved hearing about that. Some things that I did not know about World Changers and uh, some other stuff that she was telling us offline was just how much not only the churches, but the local community that, you know, the local government would often get involved in whatever was needed to prepare for these projects. And local associations would help, you know, feed the the students that were coming, things like that. So it really was a a, a big community effort and made such an impact. So we are grateful for the the work that World Changers has done. And it, that was just cool to hear all of that. So love, love Carol Pipes. She's a good friend of the pod. And we're glad to have her on. So uh, we may have to have her on in the future about some other topics. Who knows? It's just fun to talk to Carol. Yes. Uh, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, so we're going to go back to 1962 to a May 17th issue of Baptist Press that made an announcement that a first-time scholarship fund for women students had been established by the Women's Committee of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And it was uh, that what they did is they made an amendment to their bylaws that was to allocate not less than 50% of membership dues for the scholarship fund. And it had, uh, it, this committee had been in place for about a year. It had 823 members in 13 states. But it, what I thought was really cool is that it was a first time scholarship fund for women students there. And of course, now women are across multiple programs and scholarship funds are, are developed. And I know of several scholarship funds at Southeastern Seminary for sure, because I was there, but at a lot of the other ones as well. But I just thought it was kind of neat to see that encouragement in 1962 that in some ways that all started investing in women in theological education this week in SBC history. Well, that's really neat, Amy. And uh, yeah, we we know a lot of women in the SBC and and even at Southern who have uh, gone through our theological training, including you. Yeah, including you. Yeah, you graduated. Are we we like two years removed from graduation or was it last year? I think it was two years ago, wasn't it? No, it was like, I think it was a year and a half ago, maybe. It was, it's, it was. Were you in December graduation? I was December of 2018. Yeah. Oh. So it was a year okay. and a half ago. But mine is half and half, basically. So half of yeah. my seminary education was at Southern Seminary in Louisville, and half of it was at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest. Incredible professors, both places, really made, has made a huge difference for me. So, I I am grateful to all of the people who have contributed to opportunities for education for women at our seminaries and contributing to the funds for that as well. All right. That'll bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a project started by a girl named Abby for the IMB. So it didn't seem like much. This is a story from Baptist Press this week, just $32.20, but this all this 11-year-old had. So she took her $32.20 and gave it to her parents to give to the IMB to help keep missionaries on the field. Uh, 
Uh, they're right now at an estimated four million dollar shortfall. That was in the story that we talked about earlier with the uh, IMB trustee meeting, and because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, a couple of million dollars to keep people uh, on the field and and move things around, and then a couple of million dollars short on some giving. So there's a four million dollar estimated shortfall at the IMB that Paul Chitwood had talked about recently, and this little girl, eleven years old, said, "Here's my thirty two dollars and twenty cents." I want to help keep missionaries on the field. Abby is now kind of challenging people to give $32. So it's called Challenge 32. And they said so far, 108 people have pledged to donate $32 to the IMB. That's so awesome. They, they've taken that $32 and it said it's almost become almost $3,500. So I am going to contribute $32 on behalf of SBC this week as well for this and, and accept this Challenge 32. And I, I would challenge our listeners to do so as well. I love it. All right. My resource is a uh, Baptist Press story that is hitting on Friday, the day that, that our, our podcast drops, about Pastor Phil Kramer, who is in Arkansas. He's the pastor of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, and he's also a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps and a former U.S. Army chaplain. And so this story is kind of about what his church is doing for Memorial Day, but it also includes that even though Memorial Day observances at national cemeteries everywhere are suspended this year, he recorded a video at the Little Rock National Cemetery, and they're going to be posting that video on their church's social media accounts on Monday. So there's a story about that that we're dropping to Baptist Press, and then I think people can maybe you know track track him down and be able to look for that video on Monday. But I just think that's a cool thing that he did to lead his church, but also, you know, will, will be available to others as well. Because I imagine a lot of people participate in Memorial Day observances and can't this year. So it's a great opportunity for that. Very neat. And, uh, you know, this is Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I know a lot of people celebrating that. Uh, we want to thank those who, who gave that ultimate sacrifice uh, for our country. They fought for freedom so that we may have it now. So thanks for getting that story together. Amy, I know you you and uh, your team worked on that. So Yep, Rebecca Manry wrote that. Did a good job. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week on the podcast. Thank you, Carol Pipes, for being with us. And for five years, Amy, we've been signing off the, the very same way. And, and this week is, is no different. So we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>